0: Now entering Nerdist.com
1: Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Hey, we've got a big announcement, Los Angeles. The two-year anniversary of competitive erotic fanfiction is coming up, and to celebrate, we're kicking off at a brand new venue, The Virgil, on June 15th. Doors are at 7, and it's free. The lineup will include only former champions, including Moshe Kasher, Andre Duboucher, Eliza Skinner, Baron Von, Ben Roy, Jim Hamilton, and more. Also, you can now support the podcast by shopping on Amazon. Find the Amazon banner on any individual episode of competitive erotic fanfiction at Nerdist.com. Click on the banner and shop as you normally would, and Daddy gets a taste. Anyway, today we've got round one from a show recorded April 15th, 2014 at the Nerd Melt Theater in L.A. featuring Chris Thayer, Andre Duboucher, Matt Knutson, Andrew Orvidal, and Lisa Best, reading pieces they wrote in advance based upon topics of their choosing. Enjoy. All right. Keep it going for your first round one competitor, Matt Knudsen. Matt Knudsen was the voice of the computer in that opening sketch. Thank you for that.
0: Absolutely.
2: Brian Cook, how about that story from Brian, huh? <laughs> I know where the applause goes. Good job, guys. Good job. Hey, um, does anyone remember the Hanna-Barbera Laugh-Olympics? No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we are old.
2: Uh, to review, we got a, of course, there was a woo in this area. And the person closest to me shook her head and said no. <laughs>
1: Cancel each
0: other
2: out. That's true. <laughs> this crowd has come to a sum zero. So I've got a good feeling about how this is going to go. For those of you that don't know, uh, and I'm, of course I'm not counting the person that said, of course, um, basically Hanna Barbera back in the late 70s, early 80s had a series where they took all of their characters and put them into Olympic events against each other. It was basically cartoon characters uh, meets Battle of the Network
0: stars.
2: (laughs) And this actually works out well because I can tell the story here and then I don't have to write anything new for my niece's kindergarten graduation. (laughs) Yogi Bear never wore pants so that he was always ready to fuck. (laughs) It had been four years since the last Laugh Olympics, and although the Yogi Yahoois had left the competition with a disappointing silver, Yogi looked back on the games fondly. The sport, the camaraderie, the circle jerk around Josie and the (laughs) Pussycats. Sure, Boo Boo would always be his boo, but when it came to the Laugh Olympics, Yogi and Boo Boo had an understanding. What happens at the Laugh-Olympics? Get off my fucking dick about it, (laughs) boo-boo. Seriously, quit being such a little fucking bitch. (laughs) For all of the stars of the Hanna-Barbera animated programs, the Laugh-Olympics weren't just about the games. It was about meeting new people and fucking them. (laughs) And this year, Yogi had hand-selected his team of anthropomorphized animals carefully. Huckleberry Hound was a walking pharmacy and could get any party started with his unlimited access to drugs. A lot of people think I'm just a laid-back southern dog, but I'm really on quaaludes. (laughs) Although he had a giant horse dick, quick-drama-graw could always be counted on to ejaculate prematurely. leaving Yogi to heroically swoop in and bring Wilma Flintstone to orgasm. (laughs) Yabba dabba goo. (laughs) This year, he also invited underdog, but truth be told, nobody expected him to do well. Yogi landed the Yogi Ahui's on his flying ark and headed to the games. It had been four years since Yogi had crossed paths with the Scooby Doobies and the Really Rottens, and he eagerly awaited the reunion. For him, the Laugh Olympics were a chance to leave Jellystone, take off his tie, and use it to asphyxiate Jabberjaw until they both came. <laughs> By the time Yogi, Yogi's Ark landed at the Laugh Olympic Village, The debauchery in the grand ballroom was already in full swing. Grape Ape had speed buggy up on blocks and was literally fucking the exhaust out of him. (laughs) Grape Ape, Grape (laughs) Ape. Parts and accessories flew through the air. (laughs) As the 40-foot gorilla with the mind of a child and the cock of a 40-foot gorilla (laughs) Penetrated the Volkswagen Myers Manx frame. Great <laughs> Grapey. In another corner of the room, Dick Dastardly was 69ing Wally Gator <laughs> and using the points of his villainous mustache to tickle Wally's taint. <laughs> At the same time, Wally unhinged his jaw and took dastardly malicious cock for his signature alligator death roll. As usual, Muttley stood next to the depravity, laughing his ass off. (laughs) As he masturbated onto a French roll that he later planned to eat. (laughs) At the bar, Auriful Octopus simultaneously tentacle-blasted Pixie and Dixie, Augie Doggie and all three members of the Hair Bear Bunch. With his spare tentacle, he used his iPhone to take and send flattering dick pics to
0: bitches.
2: (laughs) Yogi didn't waste any time getting in on the action. Within seconds of landing at the Laugh Olympic Village, Yogi was already competing in his first event, the snatch and lift. He lifted Daisy Mayhem and put her snatch on his face. It smelled worse than a million rotten picnic baskets. (laughs) And although Yogi was disgusted with both the rotten pussy and himself, he was under the influence of four Viagra tablets, courtesy of Huckleberry Hound. (laughs) And he would not go flaccid even if his parents were murdered in front of him. (laughs) While Yogi was busy ravaging Daisy Mayhem and her toxic skank box, Boo Boo used the opportunity to try and get to know her better. So where are you from? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Boo Boo. Quit being such a fucking bitch. Yes. Get a drink and loosen the fuck up, jeez. Dejected, Boo Boo walked to the bar to get a Shirley Temple. <laughs> As he did, he heard a bellowing voice coming from above. <laughs> Captain Gay <Man." laughs> Boo Boo looked up, but it was too late. Captain Caveman leaped forward him towards, uh, towards him from his perch on the chandelier. As Caveman flew through the air, he reached into his thick body hair, produced a three-foot purple dildo, and began sodomizing the diminutive bear. <laughs> Boo Boo's tears of panic provided the only lubrication. <laughs> when he finished, Caveman exited stage left, and directly into Snagglepuss's snaggled
0: puss.
2: (laughs) Rabble rabble. Unbeknownst to Caveman, Snagglepuss was not in fact a woman and technically didn't have a vagina. Nevertheless, Caveman fucked his urethra opening until his dick exploded like a hot dog that had been microwaved for too long. (laughs) to Mercatroy. (laughs) (laughs) As Boo Boo lay on the thick shag carpet quivering he felt a hand gently touch his shoulder. Through his hazy tears he could see that that hand belonged to Hong Kong Phooey. (laughs) There there little fella. I think I know something that might make you feel better. With that, Hong Kong Phooey began to karate chop Boo Boo's dick. (laughs) Hong Kong Fooey was wrong.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Boo Boo ran for cover of a potted plant in the corner of the grand ballroom. From behind the branches, he looked out at the wanton scene of depravity that lay before him. It was as though someone had animated Gomorrah. <laughs> Scooby Doo, Scooby Dum, and Crappy Too were licking peanut butter off Shaggy's ball sack. Zoinks! <laughs> <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Creepley shoved Babu the genie's lamp up his ass and shattered it.
0: <laughs>
2: Meanwhile, Yogi was cramming handfuls of RU-486 tablets inside Daisy Mayhem's pussy like he was stuffing a Thanksgiving turkey. He was too desperate to realize that that's not how they work. <laughs> Boo was sickened by the sight of what he saw and swore to himself that he would never again be part of such debauchery. In fact, he didn't want to touch anyone ever again for as long as he lived. And right there behind the protective shield of a potted fern, he swore an oath of celibacy. He ran out of the grand ballroom, into the parking lot and headed back to the flying ark to get a good night's sleep alone. As he walked through the lot, he saw the mystery machine parked underneath an incandescent streetlight, violently rocking. Although Boo Boo was a bit of a prude, he knew the age-old adage that if the van is a-rocking, suddenly the van door swung open and Boo Boo was yanked inside by his little necktie. Inside, Daphne sat in a classic 70s sex swing, wearing crotchless panties and nothing else. Meanwhile, Fred was using his signature orange neckerchief to choke himself as he jerked off to close-up photographs of
0: erections.
2: (laughs) All the while, Velma was on her hands and knees, trying in vain to find her
0: glasses.
2: (laughs) Daphne grabbed Boo Boo by the ears and forced his face into her crimson red fire patch. I'll give you some jelly to stone. With that, Fred and Velma also converged on Boo Boo, too, until the four of them became a massive pile of flesh, fur, and DNA samples. (laughs) After the gang had had their way with Boo Boo, they cast him back out into the parking lot and quickly drove away to debunk the owner of a local amusement park. (laughs) Boo Boo lay on the cold asphalt of the Laugh Olympic Village parking lot, his two-minute-old vow of celibacy already broken. He had sworn to himself and the universe that he would never again have sex, and he would have gotten away with it if it weren't for those meddling kids. Thank you very much.
1: Matt Knudsen. Keep it going for Lisa Best. Clap your hands all the way to the podium. Lisa Best.
3: Me after the really tall guy. Way to
0: go.
3: <laughs> hey, everybody. Okay, so my uh, piece is called Mary Poppins Teaches Sex Ed.
0: <laughs>
3: We're gonna get through this together. <laughs> For the first time in eight years, Mary Poppins arrived at 17 Cherry Tree Lane. It had been a while. The paint along the house chipped in perfect clumps and the roof caved in at an angle, suggesting the house itself was taking a deep breath, as was Mary Poppins. She quit nannying eight long years ago on account of her abortion. (laughs) (laughs) Being near children was too difficult now. (laughs) (laughs) Not because it made her regret her decision to abort, but because she now wished all children had been aborted. <laughs> she did learn her lesson, though. Bert can no longer soot in her chimney, sweep, <laughs> But she stood before the doorway for one reason and one reason only, Michael and Jane. Well, I guess that's two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I can count, carry on. Okay. <laughs> they had written her, desperately seeking her guidance. Their parents refused to talk to them about sex, and Mary Poppins would not stand for that, for she carried with her more than one magical pouch. (laughs) Her her vagina. (laughs) That's what I was getting at. After one firm knock, the door opened hurriedly. She took a step back in fright. These were not the same children she once tucked in at night. They were no longer adorable. They were teenagers. (laughs) Mm. Michael's boyish charm, a distant memory, his chin dimple now surrounded by terrible acne and a string of whiteheads, as if each pimple was connected with a milky stream of jizz. (laughs) (laughs) Jane's childlike innocence, gone. Her soft skin and button nose so greasy and oily she'd be too slippery to skull fuck. (laughs) (laughs) She embraced them in a tearful greeting. They may be slimy, prepubescent mini-people, ungracefully battling the awkward years, but their faces were still bright and eager to learn and experience adventure. They led her to their former nursery. Michael's side now riddled with posters of supermodels and women in bikinis. Michael looked from the posters to Mary Poppins, red in the face. I don't know why, but they make me happy, Michael said meekly. Mary Poppins reciprocated with a hearty chortle. Oh, Michael, it's because you're becoming a man. <laughs> but why, Michael whined, why do they make me feel so good? Michael quickly dashed to his bed. He lifted the mattress and retrieved an enormous stack of pornographic magazines. The pages of each stuck to each other like glue. It's wrong, Michael shouted, his face bright red with shame. My body is forcing me to do these things. I can't help it. I'm nothing but a dirty boy. (laughs) He collapsed onto his bed in a fit of self-disgust. Mary Poppins approached him slightly and placed a motherly hand upon his shoulder. Oh, dear Michael, you're so young. It's time you get a grip (laughs) on reality. For what you have described is not an abnormality. (laughs) Masturbation's gripping the nation. as the ultimate fixation the temptation is the foundation of utmost elation so grab your pawn and honk your horn <laughs> get ready to feel good Every hour on the hour Tug that beautiful word <laughs> Your erection Is perfection It's a reflection of you And oh how you grew Masturbations Gripping the nation As the ultimate fixation Oh this sensation <laughs> So grab your tissues Grab your lotion And assume the motion (laughs) slide that soccer top your cock and only stop if there's a knock (laughs) (laughs) but mary poppins said jane why does nobody talk to us about this stuff it makes us feel so alone when everyone pretends it doesn't happen but it does jane it does (laughs) everyone masturbates Your parents, your teachers, even your dentist. (laughs) Don't you ever wonder why you're waiting in the lobby for so (laughs) long? They're doing a pre-appointment (laughs) jerk-off. It's just part of life's routine. Masturbation and sex is on everyone's agenda. Jane and Michael shared terrified glances. Sex? Jane asked. I don't think I'll ever be ready. Everyone has sex. You can text the rest to see that at some point you will lose your virginity. Jane, you can trust me. It'll definitely hurt. When he inserts himself inside of you, be on high alert. And Michael, you will see your first time will be quite quick. In all the excitement, it'll be hard for you to control that gooey stick. Uh. But take your time, the clit. Don't be a selfish prick. <laughs> <laughs> and Jane, keep your expectations low. That first time won't give you much of a glow, but soon it will be magical, beautifully irrational. For sex can be quite wonderful. Makes you feel so vulnerable when everyone. <laughs> <laughs> When someone is compatible, it's curl your toes palpable. So pop your cherry good. Uh. (laughs) But Mary Poppins, said Jane, what if no one wants to have sex with me? Mary Poppins waved her hand aside. Oh, Jane, you worry too much. Girls don't even need to be pretty to get laid. (laughs) You just must be willing. Michael raised his hand in frustration. What if I do it wrong? I don't know any of the positions. What if what I do isn't correct? When trying to express oneself, it goes against fruition, leafing through lengthy Kama Sutras to find the perfect position. A little spontaneity keeps the bedroom fun, but keep in mind every idea might not be a home run. (laughs) (laughs) So if you do an act that isn't well received, be sure to have a safe word that they can scream. (laughs) Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. even though the sound of it is something quite ferocious. If you say it loud enough, your partner won't feel hopeless. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. If you feel the need to take a shit on her chest, (laughs) put this word on deck first to put it to the test. If you feel the desire to come in her ear, be ready for this word you may very well hear. (laughs) The mood may seem keen for a finger up the butt, but perhaps that might not be his cup of tea. (laughs) Say this word loud enough and sex won't be atrocious, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. (laughs) Suddenly the front door busted open, standing gloomily at the threshold was Mr. Banks. (laughs) (laughs) What's this filth that you're discussing with my untainted kids? There's no kissing or no touching, those are acts I forbid. Sex is not something that I allow. Not the act or the discussion. Never. Not now. (laughs) When I get home from work, I want to sit on my bed. Take a sip from my drink while I lay atop the threads. Tis a place to relax, to unwind from the day. The bed is my space and I prohibit foul play. There's no fucking in my house (laughs) you can trust me it's disgusting there's no fucking in my house all the sucking all the thrusting don't look at me like that like you think I am a prude no mr. banks I just think you should change your view For your concern, but I bid you farewell. Have a good time while you rot in hell. Oh, Mr. Banks, you are mistaken. Sex is more common than bacon. <laughs> Those who fuck duckets, slighted, not indicted, but excited. For sex, we are united. Sex is positively gross and disturbing. All the moaning, all the jerking, all the squirting. It's unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Banks, are you a virgin? <laughs> Michael, Jane, this is urgent. Quite awkward. You were adopted.
0: <laughs> <And> that's the <me.
3: laughs> Best.
1: stories that end with murder and or suicide? First adoption. First adoption. <laughs> Give it up for Chris There. Hello. Hey, what's up, man?
4: Uh, nothing. What's going on with you? I'm just
1: waiting for you to read your goddamn story. Oh, I didn't know if there
4: was more introduction or... Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well. Okay. Um, I wrote mine about... Do I, is that how I do it? Or... They, just, find, they f- just figure it out from me reading it? or
1: uh, Yeah, you can, uh, you can announce it or you can just start in. All right, All right I wrote about
4: do. the Price is Right. <laughs> uh, okay. <clears throat> Bob Barker is finishing the delicious side of potato salad that he served himself from the buffet line at the employee luncheon. It's his 90th birthday, and he just finished guest co-hosting an episode of the show that made him famous. He feels a hand on his shoulder. Drew Carey leans down and says into his ear, There's something special waiting for you on the stage. (laughs) Really, you guys are full of surprises. You can say that again, says Drew, using a literary device known as ominous foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) Cover your eyes and let's go. Drew leads Bob by the arm down to a spot uh, at a podium on contestants row. Okay, you can uncover your eyes now. Bob moves his hands away and is startled to see Diane Parkinson standing on his mark on the stage. Diane is the first of many Barker's beauties who filed a sexual harassment lawsuit against (laughs) Bob. In the 90s. Uh, Diane, are you ready to play Bob? I, what? I'm so confused. Come on Bob, for old time's sake. Bob is wary, but he's also horny and near death, so he figures he's got nothing to lose. (laughs)
0: Let's
4: play one bit Bob, a special birthday version but we're not dealing with prizes or money. How big is your dick when it's hard? Keep in mind, you will have to prove it. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know, six and a half inches? A light fades on over the bleachers behind contestants' row. A cacophony of voices rings out, smaller! (laughs) No way! (laughs) Fuck you, Bob! Bob turns around to see all of the barker's beauties he sexually harassed in his <laughs> 35 years as the show's host. His heart sinks and a nervous heat rises inside of him. He takes another guess. 5 5 inches? Again, Diane says, "Remember, you will have to prove it." A woman shouts, "It's not 1975 anymore, Bob." The whole group laughs hysterically and points at the 90-year-old lecher. Tears welling up in his eyes. (laughs) Ah, jeez. Three? Three inches? Three inches, Diane asks incredulously. Let's see it. Please, Diane, don't make me. (laughs) (laughs) Get the fuck over here. (laughs) Diane says, dragging Bob to center stage by his tacky pink tie. Get to work. Bob whimpers. He pulled out he pulls out his gnarled liver spotted dick Aww.
0: and pathetically
4: tries to get it hard, knowing that his guess was probably wishful thinking under the given circumstances. Nothing happens. He mumbles under his breath to Diane. <coughs> can I spit? <laughs> <laughs> you need spit, old man? I'm sure the other beauties can help you with that. Before Diane can even finish her sentence, there's a commotion of high heels as the former beauties race from their seats and Bob is covered head to toe in a torrent of saliva. (laughs) (laughs) Bob, soaked, hangs his head in shame. It's no use. I give up. Diane pulls out a tape measure to further reinforce Bob's failure. I'm sorry, it's only two inches and maybe things were different when you were young, but that's definitely not hard by today's standards. (laughs) Well, that's it. Then I've lost, can I go now? You're only contestant here today, Bob. We can't let you leave empty-handed. What do you ladies say we let him keep playing? The women erupt in uproarious screams and applause. Bob is having trouble breathing. Their excitement mirrors that of the show's audience, but it's for something so personal, so titillating but terrifying to him. He's panicking. He's truly not in control of the show anymore. Let's play another little game, Bob, a real crowd pleaser. Bob stands shivering and speechless. Plinko! The ladies go wild again, but in a way that suggests they know something that he doesn't. Well, it's not traditional Plinko. You know how it normally works, Bob. You drop a chip and hope it bounces down into a specific slot. In our version, we've, moved, we've removed the railing at the bottom of the board, and instead of chips, we'll be using a bunch of really hot marbles. Um, the point of the game, you, they're supposed to land uh, in your ass. Just, you want one to land directly in your asshole um, chances are many of them will land on you and scald your aging flesh but the game's not over until you've got one in your ancient asshole <laughs> even louder screams from the stands lube up and spread them, Bob, Diane says, motioning to a year's supply of Astroglide personal lubricant in a nearby wheelbarrow <laughs> Bob pulls down his adult diaper. The women snicker at his rashy red butt cheeks.
0: <laughs> and he,
4: and he, <laughs> he half heartedly smears the jelly on his sagging ass. <laughs> he takes his place face down under the Plinko board and spreads his pasty cheeks, revealing a coiffed puff of gray hair that mirrors the one on his head.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
4: Diane uses a system of pulleys and levers to maneuver a large barrel containing thousands of red-hot marbles over the opening of the Plinko board and begins pouring. Some miss completely, some hit Bob and send him writhing into pain, and anything that rolls towards the audience is used by the seated ladies as ammunition to pelt the old pervert. (laughs) He can hardly hold up his own body weight and his spirit is broken. He collapses forward and a marble finally makes it into his orifice. He's too crushed to feel relief. (laughs) Great job, Bob. Let's get you to the Showcase Showdown to spin that big wheel. Please. No. (laughs) Here's how it works for today, Bob. You have up to two spins... To win, you have to get a dollar exactly. If you can't make a dollar exactly, Drew Carey's gonna whip out his Rod Roddian. Come on down your gullet.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Bob weakly spins the wheel, the hopelessness apparent in his sad, bul- bulging eyes. 95 cents, so close! Bob is on the brink of sobbing, but musters up the last of his strength for his final spin. The wheel spins rapidly, then slower, then each click seems to take forever as they approach 5 cents miraculously it stops on five cents and bob overcome by emotion closes his eyes and falls to his knees thank god bob is a hysterical heap on the floor covered in spit and marble burns Congratulations, Bob, and sorry, Drew. Drew isn't even paying attention. He's too consumed in watching an episode of the Drew Carey Show on an iPad with the iconic long Price is Right microphone nestled in his ass, stroking his dick with one hand and tugging his awful soul patch with the other. God, I should have stayed fat, he says to himself. Well, ladies, what prize do we have for Bob? One of the beauties rolls over a second wheelbarrow. Another... Your supply of Astroglide, Bob asks. The beauty leans the wheelbarrow forward, a single splash of liquid landing on Bob's mouth. He licks his lip, curiously tasting liquid. It's salty. Is it pissed? Diane cuts him off. Yeah, it's pissed. <laughs> she says, off-puttingly casual. <laughs> The beauty tips the wheelbarrow further forward and floods Barker's face with a golden wave. It gets in his mouth, his eyes, up his nose. He's coughing, flopping around in the shallow puddle like a freshly caught fish. Happy birthday, Bob. <laughs> Chris there.
1: And clap your hands for your next competitor, Mr. Andre Dubouche. There he is. Keep it going, Keep
5: it going for Andre. <clears throat> um, I was working on a Godzilla one but I didn't finish it in time so I kind of cheated and I'm uh, telling actually a uh, true story from my own life uh, so I guess technically it's still a Godzilla one <laughs> um, Are you a fan you know, of yourself Andre? I am a fan of myself so will us call this some, <laughs> some erotic nonfiction. fiction uh, this is totally true It was the evening of July 8th, 2004, on New York City's Upper West Side. I was single, poor, slightly drunk, a stand-up comedian, and I had purchased a ticket to the midnight premiere of the movie Anchorman. I was walking up Broadway on my way to the movie theater, which was on 84th Street. As I passed 83rd Street, I heard a female voice. Excuse me. I stopped dead in my tracks and turned to see a very ordinary-looking woman. Even now, I could not begin to describe her other than to say she wasn't particularly pretty or ugly, fat or thin, tall or short. She was probably a bit older than me with light hair and large breasts. She looked healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you mind if I ask you a few questions, she said. Normally, I would have brushed her off and continued lurching along to the movie theater, but for some reason, I turned to her and said, uh, sure. She smiled. She definitely had a very pleasant way about her. "'Are you married?' she said. "'No,' I responded. "'Are you gay?' "'No.' "'Would you be willing to listen to an offer "'that will probably sound too good to be true?'
0: (laughs) "'Okay.'"
5: (laughs) And she proceeded to launch into a rather elaborate explanation, which I'm not entirely confident in my ability to recollect, but this is the gist of what I can remember. I'm a yoga instructor from Chicago, and I'm in town visiting a friend just for tonight. I leave tomorrow morning. I'm trying to do some experiments with my energy right now, and I can't do it alone. Here's what I propose. We go upstairs to my friend's apartment. She gestures to the building we're standing next to. You wash your cock, her choice of words. I give you head until you come, and then you leave. I nodded thoughtfully. You can understand my skepticism, I responded. (laughs) She laughed. Oh, sure. I put my smart consumer mind to work and resolved to play the part of the tough customer. I wasn't going to be a (laughs) pushover. She was going to have to provide me with a few assurances before I consented to go upstairs with her and allow her to give me head until I came. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not gonna get mugged or robbed or anything, I queried. She laughed again, oh, no, no, no. All right, I thought to myself, so far, so good. (laughs) (laughs) There isn't gonna be anyone else up there? No, 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 we'll be all alone. Hmm. It's not gonna get videotaped or anything with a hidden camera. Oh no, I would never do that to anyone. Hmm, I thought to myself. Those are all of the questions I can think of. (laughs) And she's aced every (laughs) one. Everything seems to be on the up and up. All right, I said, I feel like I have to do this just so I can have the story. So we headed into the apartment building. We passed the doorman, passed the well-lit lobby full of awful modern art, passed the mailboxes, and entered the elevator. She pressed the button for the 22nd floor. Once the elevator doors closed, she began laying down the ground rules. I had to remove my shoes before we entered the apartment. I was to go into the bathroom, wash my cock, again, her choice of words, and then proceed to the bedroom, silently. In fact, once we entered the apartment, there was to be no talking whatsoever. And she mentioned more than once that the building had good security just in case I tried anything inappropriate. (laughs) As we reached the 22nd floor, She must have noticed me checking my watch because she asked me if I had anywhere I needed to be. I told her I had a ticket to see the new movie Anchorman (laughs) starring Will Ferrell at midnight. (laughs) Who knows, she said. Maybe you'll still make the start of the movie. Those words would prove to be prophetic. (laughs) (laughs) We reached the apartment door. We both took our shoes off. She led me inside. She gestured to a door down a short hallway to our right. It was the bathroom. In the elevator, I'd already told her that I was going to be taking a full shower rather than just wash my cock. I hadn't taken a shower at all that day, and due to some wiping misadventures earlier (laughs) Misadventures to be sure, my crotchal region, to quote the movie Anchorman, was particularly rancid. So I shut the bathroom. I was being courteous. I shut the bathroom door disrobed and took a shower. As I lathered up in this strange apartment, I began to find the whole situation kind of exciting. (laughs) I toweled off, took a deep breath, and I strode out of the bathroom, stark naked. The apartment was still dark. not a light had been turned on and it was completely silent. I walked down the hallway to where she had told me the bedroom would be. As I rounded the corner, the first thing I noticed was the view. Floor to ceiling windows on two walls, no shades, no curtains. The city lights stretched out below us. The bed was right in front of me, a queen size bed, I think. The bed was made, but on top of the existing bedding was a large white sheet that covered everything, including the pillows. Ah, yes, I thought. The stage has been set. (laughs) The room appeared to be empty at first, but as I approached the bed, I could see that my new acquaintance was standing at the opposite end of the room, also nude. There we were, two naked people, both of whom clearly needed to get to the gym, but only one of whom was claiming to be a yoga instructor. (laughs) Gestured to the bed. I got on my back, putting my hands behind my head and parting my legs in order to give her ample workspace. The ceiling was unremarkable. (laughs) She got on the bed and and sat between my legs, caressing my thighs with her hands. Perhaps now would be a good time to say a few things about my penis. (laughs) My penis is a lot like Vincent D'Onofrio. Not huge, by any means, but putting forth excellent work and lower-level Uh, lower-profile character roles throughout its career, despite a reputation for unreliability and quirkiness. (laughs) It's not everyone's cup of tea, but some people find it very compelling. (laughs) Especially on law and order, criminal, (laughs) intents. Things got off to a promising start. Slow, gentle caresses on my legs, moving up to my inner thighs. Very nice. She leaned down, her large breasts now dipping below my field of vision like the twin sons of Tatooine. (laughs) She began kissing my inner thighs. My penis began to respond. So any worries I had of performance jitters soon melted away. She moved up to my love marbles and continued gently licking thing, uh, gently licking. (laughs) Things were moving along very nicely. Then all too soon for my taste, she commenced the main event. At first things were terrific, the same slow, sensual, luxurious pace Vincent D'Onofrio putting on a stalwart, riveting (laughs) performance But then she chose an ill-advised tactic She suddenly shifted techniques, going from the slow, velvety pace that I was thoroughly enjoying To a frantic, mechanical, unpleasantly jostling rhythm That soon threatened to send D'Onofrio back to his community theater roots Passionless, (laughs) and even ruthless in its goal-oriented, violent monotony (laughs) (laughs) Soon I was becoming flaccid, just as, uh, and she must have noticed because she amped up the energy, slurping and whacking away with even more gusto, which I, of course, liked even less. (laughs) This dame was seriously putting the ow job in blow job, (laughs) which looks a lot more clever on paper. (laughs) So I broke the ground rules and I spoke, you need to slow down. This was an almost irreparable breach of etiquette. She got kind of huffy with me. Well, well, technically, I'm in charge here, and my friend is going to be home any minute now, and, well, I suppose you could help if you wanted. So I helped. I worked the throttle as she provided what amounted to token assistance with her mouth. I was so put off by her at this point that she wasn't really a necessary part of the equation. I just wanted to get it over with. (laughs) Which I did, even though I never fully regained rigidity. I just finally ejaculated a disappointing, dribbling... Burble,
0: <laughs>
5: not unlike the last gasp from an empty, squeezable ketchup bottle. <laughs> now here's where things get strange.
0: <laughs>
5: now she took great care to make sure that she got all of my ejaculate into her mouth. She harvested it, slurping it up, gathering it into her mouth with little sweeping motions of her fingers until it was all in there, and there it stayed. She did not swallow. She did not spit. She merely stood up and motioned out of the room. I was to get dressed and leave now. The last thing I saw as the door shut behind me in the hallway was her smiling and waving goodbye, still puffy-cheeked with a mouthful of my semen. Anchorman was hilarious. (laughs) Andre Dubouchet. Keep it going for your final
1: round one comic. Andrew Orbitall. He has been backstage fixing his hair for about 20 minutes. Yay. He didn't think I could see it.
6: Yay. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Uh, when Brian approached me to do the show, I was kind of stumped on what to choose. And then I realized, I don't think there's any show I love more than this show other than every TV show and movie I've ever seen.
0: (laughs) So, since we're
6: in a comic book store and uh, we all love origin stories, I thought I would do the origin story of competitive erotic fan fiction. (laughs) Brian Cook didn't have it easy growing up. Sure, he had two loving parents, or at least they tried to love him as best they could. His father, Doug Cook III, was a large strapping lumberjack. (laughs) Or at least I imagine his name was Doug and that he was a lumberjack, and that's why Brian has such an unrealistic view of masculinity. <laughs> Brian's mom, Jeannie, or at least I imagine her name is Jeannie, since it's, that's, that's the sort of kind-hearted social worker mom name that fits her, had a hard time producing children. So, after eight or nine, but who's counting miscarriages, <laughs> Jeannie and Doug were pretty excited when Brian's fetus stuck around for the duration of the lease. <laughs> Imagine the disappointment in these young parents' eyes when their tiny, squalling boy was pulled out into the world, a ginger. Doug had brown hair, genie blonde, but they never figured their genes might combine in such a way to produce this abomination. It was like having an X-Men for a kid, but not one of the cool ones. As Brian grew, his parents tried to love him as best they could. When the other kids called Brian names and threw rocks and baseballs and spare rusted auto parts and large broken branches it took two or three kids to hoist and toss at him, his parents would offer him comfort. Sure, they laughed on the inside. Who wouldn't? Some of the jabs were actually pretty good. Copper Top, Tabby Cat, Fozzie Bear with AIDS. These kids, these kids were killing it at Brian's expense. Things didn't get any easier when Brian entered high school, that's for sure. Puberty hit Brian like a velvet jackhammer, <laughs> resulting in a downy orange fuzz that covered the lower half of his face, and his personality his personality had now been machined into a singular engine of hate after years of being the butt of jokes. So he shouldered his way through high school, a gruff, gangly asshole, always looking for someone who had it worse off than him. Brian would have been happy to just spend his high school years in isolation listening to the ska music he loved, which is the real reason Doug went out for cigarettes in 1998 and never returned. And and daydreaming about beating so many people to death with a claw hammer, but unfortunately for Brian, his dick had other plans. Puberty introduced within Brian a, a desire to have sex, which up to that point just seemed like something other people did. He began to ask girls out and was shot down faster than a Syrian warplane entering Turkish airspace. <laughs> and yes, I am available for late-night topical writing jobs, thanks. If anybody if anybody here's doing that. Of course it didn't help that at this point in his teenage years he was riddled with hideous acne, so he resembled the scraggly orange disc sponge that had been used to pick up chunky vomit. <laughs> <laughs> So Brian did what all teenage boys who aren't on varsity sports teams are relegated to. He took matters into his own hands, or more specifically, his right, with his left cinched around his balls. The only problem was that Brian's imagination was so stewed in hate, he couldn't conjure the girls of his affections into sexual situations. He tried to imagine Candy Lopez, the buxom brunette from geometry class, doing the sex to him. But even in his fantasy, (laughs) she rebuffed him, instead fucking the school's star wide receiver in front of Brian as cruel revenge. One evening, Brian was in the middle of another unsatisfying jack sesh when Jeannie knocked on his bedroom door, startling startling him badly. Honey, dinner's almost ready. I made your favorite off-brand stovetop stuffing. <laughs> Brian paused mid-stroke to shout back, Fine! And I hate off-brand stovetop stuffing. It's why I don't have any fucking friends. <laughs> Sweetie, you don't mean that. Well, hurry up doing whatever it is you're doing in there, but I'm a mom and I know exactly what you're doing, but pretend not to because it's the worst and come down to eat. If you hurry, you can catch the end of your favorite Ninja Turtle, car- Ninja Turtle cartoon. <laughs> Fine, I hate you, yelled Brian, and then cranked up Real Big Fish on the stereo, his favorite <laughs> band to have in the background while masturbating. <laughs> But his mom had unknowingly planted a seed in Brian's mind. After watching Ninja Turtles, Brian could barely pretend to even eat at the dinner table. In his mind, April O'Neil was reporting on only one hot story, how tasty Brian's cock was. He excused himself without his usual post-dinner giant novelty-sized swirly lollipop and ran up to his room to take care of business. (laughs) I was so delirious when I wrote that. I don't don't even know why why I thought that. Having make-believe sex with April O'Neil from Ninja Turtles was perfect. April O'Neil didn't find Brian repellent. In fact, she was used to being flirted with by giant humanoid turtles, so if anything, Brian was a marginal step up. (laughs) Brian was saved by pop culture. He immediately set to cramming notebook after notebook with pop culture smut punctuated with crude drawings in the margins. You named the cartoon starlet, she was DTF with Brian. (laughs) Jim forgot the holograms and world-toured Brian's bedroom. Wonder Woman dispelled any rumors about her sexuality with a public fuck session on top of JLA headquarters. And yes, I'll use the acronym, we're in the back of a comic book shop. (laughs) Things seemed great until the fateful day Brian returned from school to find his mom sitting on his bed surrounded by his notebooks, tears running down her cheeks. Mom, what are you doing in here? This is my private stuff! Oh, honey, I always knew you were different, but but you're sick. You need help. I want you to see a therapist, like, right away. This is some serial killer-level stuff. <laughs> Get out, screamed Brian, and Jeannie obliged, now terrified of her hormonally imbalanced rage muppet of a son.
0: <laughs>
6: that night, Brian packed all of his notebooks in a duffel bag and knew that the next day he would leave home forever. He would jump on a train, immediately get the shit beat out of him by a yard bull, and then take a Greyhound bus far, far away. As he lay in his crusty bed, looking up at a poster of strawberry shortcake, Brian whispered, one day they'll see. One day I'll make them all see how wrong they were about me and my stories. (laughs) Jeannie poked her head back in the room. Did you say something? Mom, get the fuck out. (laughs) I have to stop thinking out loud, thought Brian.
1: That ain't. Round one, back up. Andrew, everybody from round one, back up here. We'll be voting on a winner. Uh, I think it is worth pointing out that that is literally the second time Andrew has written his story about me. (laughs) First, yeah, the first time Andrew was involved. Uh, And actually, the the scene with my mom finding the notebook's not that far off from when she discovered this fucking podcast. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm going to remind you of what everybody read, and then you will be voting on a winner with your applause. Don't vote yet. We started with uh, Matt Knudsen with the Laugh Olympics, then Lisa Best with Mary Poppins, Chris Thayer with Price is Right, Andre Duboucher with himself, and Andrew Orvadal with me.
0: So, pick a
1: favorite, starting with Matt Knudsen, Laugh Olympics. Uh, Lisa Best, Mary Poppins. Chris Thayer, Price is Right. <laughs> Andre Dubouche with himself. <laughs> and Andrew Orvidal with me. the <laughs> Best, ladies and gentlemen.
0: The Round 1 champion.
1: It took me three months to talk her into doing this show. Big round of applause while you're Round 1 contestants. Thank you guys so much. That does it for round one. To hear round two from this show, download episode 68 next week. Hey, if you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Upcoming live shows include May 25th at The Waiting Room in Omaha, May 30th at The Limestone Comedy Fest in Bloomington, June 26th at Union Hall in Brooklyn, and June 27th at Great Scott in Boston. For more details, you can follow me on Twitter at BrianCooking or follow the show at CEFanfic. See you next time.